Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this special Thursday pod, we will cover the nine Breeders' Cup races on Saturday, November 7th. This is show number 93, November 5th, 2020. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, what's the word? The word is overdrive, handicapping overdrive. Um, I'm in like fifth or sixth gear if there is such a thing trying to get through all these races and information it's just it's fun but there's just a lot of races and they're all so interesting and competitive um but that's what we look forward to every year so we're here and i'm ready that's true that we look forward to it every year but because we do the pod two days in advance we have to do everything two days faster than everybody else so I'm actually going to take a nice little break from handicapping after uh, this pod is over. Well, it's only going to be a couple hours, though. <laughs> Just a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit more of a challenge to try to do things in advance for things like a podcast. So, again, for those who haven't done that before, it gives you a greater appreciation for these people that work for, like, Daily Racing Forum or Brisk, where they're putting these picks out two or three days in advance every day. Um, it does, it does take some work, um, you know, doing that out in advance, a little harder than doing it the day of, or the night before the races. Yeah. And I think for me, study long is not study wrong. Um, adding replays really, and it's enlightening it usually doing the replay work that really helps inform my opinion. So, so now I do that more when I'm doing my regular handicapping. And but the thing is, it's time consuming. So, well, hopefully, it will have led you to some good opinions on the nine Breeders' Cup races that we're about to discuss. And we have another special returning guest. He's a professional horse player who creates his own speed figures. He was NHC champ in 2016, winning $800,000. He's Paul Matisse Jr. Paul, welcome back. Happy Breeders' Cup Day, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, well, you know, thanks for joining us because, uh, you know, we really appreciate your handicapping and um, we'll look forward to hearing your opinions. Well, we'll, we'll see afterwards <laughs> how that goes. These are there's some really good races. It's, it, it, the Breeders' Cup didn't evolve into what it has become by accident. It's great handicapping puzzles. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a tremendous um, it's a tremendous opportunity, and I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm probably only going to bet about maybe half the races, but um, but betting half the races to find that many opportunities, seven opportunities in two days, is is a lot. So, 
So I, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. No doubt. Um, Chris, did you have any questions for Paul? Uh, I probably do, but we have a lot of races to cover. <laughs> and so I think we ought to just jump right in. Yeah. The, the question is, are you ready to get started? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. So, okay. We're, we're going to, we're doing the Saturday races, Saturday, November 7th at Keeneland, starting with the fourth race. It's the Philly and Mare Sprint, seven furlongs on dirt. And Paul, what did you think here? Well, I've been, I was back and forth in this race because I think the, the, the automatic response is everybody's going to be to look for the closer, you know, with the, uh, Gamin and Serengeti and Empress and and actually maybe even Venetian Harbor, their connections have talked about how they want to go to the lead all the time. And even in the midst of Biz, who she's not slow, and I don't know how they're going to rate her. So uh, it, it should be uh, it should be a wicked pace, which you know will lead you to Bell's the one probably as your as your, as your number one choice. I just, I feel like that's a little bit moto, you know, like a master of the obvious spells the one, but, and I also have hit her a couple times and liked her in these situations, but I keep coming back to her again, even though I'm trying not to, you know what I mean? It's uh it's a, uh, I know it's might be a trap, but I'm still, I'm still falling into it. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to go there with bells. The one I know speech is a cutback and, She's got the big race at Keeneland. The Ashland was a really fast race and a really high figure. And, and I could see a lot of um, Sheets players. And there's a lot of things to like there. You know, it's the uh, the cutback, which a lot of people like. It's the bounce off the big figure. And then plenty of rest to come back. Um, but I don't 100% trust her either. And uh, But I would definitely use I would definitely use her. I think the... Um, the idea would be to try to bet, bet against Gamine in the in the Philly Sprint, and and probably spread a little with with uh, with Bell's the one the most. But that's kind of how I see it. And I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Well, I think the Bell's the one. It's it's almost like you can't she can't help but be bet because she's so consistently such a good consistent closer with that that speed bias. So I would guess that she's more like four to one than six to one. Chris, what I do agree you think? with that. Yeah, I, I just love listening to Paul trying not to be Captain Obvious when his his uh, brain is telling him you should be Captain Obvious in this race. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> It's it's a hot pace and Bell's the one. Every time she gets in the situation, she wins. So I I absolutely see. But you're saying it's so obvious that probably no value there. And 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 you might be right. Maybe they do play her down below that morning line. So I I, I just love because I know I go through those same mental gyrations. I'm sure everyone out there does too. When you're handicapped, sometimes you know, especially if you're naturally kind of contrarian and looking for value. And I know that's the way you play Paul and I play. You hate to sort of fall in, like you call it a trap, but you know, to go down the obvious path. So um, I, I just, I think it's fun just to listening to your reasoning there. Um, and I, I concur with everything you said, including all your comments about speech, who is, is the horse I'm really 
kind of being drawn to for all the reasons you talked about. Um, I love when they cut back to seven furlongs. I don't like so much when they cut back to shorter distances, but to me, I agree. You know, you, I agree with 100%. Get, yeah. You get a cut back to seven furlongs with a horse with tactical speed in a race where the, 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 the sprinters are, are the best sprinters are likely to hook up in a hot pace and the horse could just fall into a dream trip. You know, to me, that's the captain obvious play in this race. And um, that's kind of where I'm leaning. To be a little contrarian, though, is, is to take everything you said about this race, Paul, but say, well, Bell's the one's not the only one in this race that could take advantage of that scenario, right? There's two other horses that'll be much bigger prices that maybe aren't quite as good, but they have upside, and that's the five, Sconson, and the eight, Sally's Curlin. Now, why couldn't they trip out and, and come clunking up late? And maybe Bell's the one... You know, she doesn't lay over those two, and maybe they get the better trip or they close a little better this time. Sally's Curlin, I thought, just didn't get a very good ride and kind of poor start last time. Sconson had a similar kind of setup last time and took advantage of it. So to me, those two are interesting, more maybe underneath, but, you know, I'm not outrageous as a win bet. So I, I kind of like speech is probably my key, and I think her – Six to one line, I think there's a good chance she could float up above that with Gamine in here and Serengeti Empress in here and Bell's the one. So um, I'm thinking speech. I don't think you can leave out Bell's the one, uh, but Sconson and Sally's curling, in particular Sally's curling, because I, I chased her her last race, and I, I mean, she just really had no chance from the start. But those horses might, you know, fall into the right kind of trip here. I don't want to um uh Serengeti Empress has pretty been pretty awesome. Um I to me between her and Gamine, I'd much favor Serengeti Empress. I, I'm really against Gamine, just like you said, for a lot of reasons. But you know, I, I just I, I think about it the same way you do, but I'm kinda leaning more towards speech than Bell's the one. And I really think Sconson and Sally's Curlin could could maybe trip out in here. I do want to hear what you have to say about the rail going seven furlongs at Keeneland because Duke hinted that he thought that might not be where you want to be and that could work against speech. So I'd like to hear what Paul, I know you guys keep track of that really well, what you think about that. All right. Uh, before you get started, Paul, I'll just uh, wait, throw in my uh, comments and then and then we'll do some back and forth. I watched that race, you know, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this Bell's the one conundrum as well. And she looks really good, but you know, I watched that last race and that was a hard race. I mean, that was a really hard race on Serengeti Empress and Bell's the one. And they've had plenty of time since that race, but boy, they really ran their eyeballs out, both of them. And they both ran their best race ever. Uh, Serengeti Empress was about tied with her best, but but clearly it was an effort. And then I like I noticed on the gallop out, I, I thought Bell's one looked a little stiff. I don't know. I might be reading it into it too much. But then I noticed that Sally's curlin just rambles right by them, you know, right right up to them. And and then it got me to thinking, I just watched the Sally's I zeroed in on Sally's curlin and I think they were really prepping her because first of all, she's a light filly. She only weighs like nine fifty. And 
she wouldn't be able to sustain two big races in a row. So I think they were just prepping her in that last race, getting her ready for, for this, for this effort. And she may or may not be good enough, but I, I would rather have her than Bell's the one. And, you know, if I do pick ends, I'll probably also have Bell's the one, but uh, the other horse that I'm interested in is Sconson. Um, like she's got a really healthy pattern. She just ran her, her best, but it wasn't like way better than it wasn't a big top. It was just a little bit of a top and she's going to benefit from this hot pace. And then in her return to the track, two weeks after her last race, which was her top, she ran a 46, two bullet. I mean, like she's ready. I mean, I, I hope she didn't leave the, the race on the track. So, so those would be my two keys, like Sally's Curlin and Wisconsin. They could benefit from the other horses having run too big in their previous race. Paul, jump in. Well, I, I think that's possible, though there's been lots of time between these races. And I think this is, that's going to be a theme on, as we go throughout these races. You know, just this modern-day way of training, is, it makes some of those – handicapping methods like you like Scott like what you're saying they make that very hard for me you know with five workouts in between and two months between races it's kind of hard to to go off something that you saw you know two months ago that's what but but uh you know that's part of handicapping so it's you know it's a it's a tough call as far as what uh, Chris was asking about the rail you know I think the what do you uh, what do you think about Chris do you think speech is going to try to stay close or do you think she's going to go just out the back and try to, and try to make like one run? Uh, I think, I think that would be, be more the better move. Oh, I, I don't disagree, but I, my guess is they'll, I, I don't think she's as quick, nearly as quick as some of the other horses, but I think yeah. their, their goal will be to stop, not to get shuffled too far back, but they're probably looking so? to sit, sit in the pocket. Um, you know, not just off, but, um, not, back but not far behind. With, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, she'll be ahead of those deep closers, I think, which is, and, and, and hopefully, you know, they, they would find a seam or slip through the rail and get jump the jump on the closers maybe and, and open up in mid stretch or grind down the front runners and, and maybe hold off the closers. That's kind of what I, I think the trip is they're looking for. Yeah, and that, if she's going to do good, I think that's the kind of race it'll be where it gets spread out, you know, and in that, in that regard, I wouldn't worry about the post. Just because I think the, the way the race shape will be more important than the post. So you don't think it's like a you know toss from the rail at seven furlongs kind of thing? I don't think so in this in this scenario. You know I, I know what Duke was talking about, and I kind of agree, agree with him in general. But in this race, I think we're going to get more of like you said, the deep closers have no speed, so we're going to get one of those. You know the race is going to spread out, and if. Uh, so I don't think post position is actually going to mean that much. And it is a pretty small field. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move on. We have eight more to go, so <laughs> we'll uh, try to keep it swift. And we'll go next to the fifth race, the turf sprint. Chris, where did you land here? Well, I really like this race, and I really like two horses in here. Um, I'll just talk about one to start, and that's the four-horse front run, the Fed. Uh, this horse is a Chad Brown runner who really ran some fast 
church friends last year and they stretched it out, which is kind of the Chad Brown method. He's really not into turf sprints. Uh, I think this horse, though, is a turf sprinter, and they've decided that's what they're going to do with him now. And I think he's really responded. His last race, he did not have the best of trips. I thought his trip wasn't as good as Imprimis, and he barely got beat by Imprimis, who's likely to be the favorite in here if not got stormy. I think he can improve off of that. Just he's got some upside, and I think he's really coming into his top form. You know, he's never been out of the exact in five turf sprints with three wins. Uh, I think he's the most likely winner in the race, and he's 12-1 to on the morning line. You might get that uh, in a big field. You know, this could really result in some big payouts. So I'm pretty high on the four-horse front run the fed. Front run the Fed, a Chad that's going to be at least 10 to 1. Paul, what did you think? Yeah, I, you know, we're going to try to keep this fast and we go to a 14 horse, five <laughs> that you can come up with a story for all of them. But uh, I'm I'm going with uh, 7 and 8. Leinster, who's pretty much a, more of an obvious uh, horse for course that likes Keeneland, can do it almost any way he wants. He's not going to get the stock and slow pace that he got last time. But uh, I think he's actually better with more, with more pace. So I'm not really scared of that. I think he might be over just might not have a lot of value, but, but the horse that I I'm going to play with her, Alexandra, the eight is uh, might, might be longer. And uh, I've really uh, gotten to uh, have more trust in this, this filly as she's gotten older. I think, uh, I guess she's a mare now, but uh, I think, her last three or four races have, are really, really good, and uh, she's trained really good into this race. Her workout, uh, by all accounts, at the, on the dirt was really good at Belma, and uh, I know she's probably got to go through traffic, but I don't care. She has such a ramble. You know, she has that Hong Kong-Australia ramble sprint for about an eighth of a mile that comes that all those sprinters, they don't... Like when you watch Hong Kong, the trip doesn't matter when they get that good. They just ha- they're just faster for the last eighth of a mile, and she's got it. So, and you know, get Stormy got Stormy showed a little bit of that in her last race, but I'm, uh, you know, like we only saw it once. So, and and like Chris said, she'd probably be overbet. So, I think Alexandra's better. She's more proven that she can come with that ramble. So, seven and eight for me. Okay, Alexandra, uh, best race last year was here at this track. So she's one for one. I find it hard to believe that she'll be as high as 12 to one, but there are a lot of horses because um, uh, she's one of my plays as well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here. I like the one, Big Renewer. I, I hope that's how you pronounce it. I really liked his last race. There's not that much speed in this race. This isn't like one of those sensational pace kind of races now he's right inside just might and that could be an issue for him but he also has one from off the lead so i mean this horse is he's just he's a good horse and he's he's improved every race um and his last race which was his best he set a sizzling half mile held on galloped out ahead he just looks like a tough horse and he's like, especially with that inside post, that inside speed, he could just, all he has to worry about is just might. 
and he'll probably be able to dispatch that one. I think he'll be valued. Now, the the thing I'm worried about is that this trainer never ships out of California, so I'm a little worried about that. But I don't know. As long as he looks good before the post parade or in the post parade, then I'm going to feel okay with him. Um, then the other horse that I love, 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 love is Imprimis. I'm not picking him on top because he's the favorite. Uh, and and I've really sort of gotten to like Big Renewer and Imprimis may encounter some traffic. So, But he is super classy. He, his, his return race as a six-year-old was one of his top races. And then his next race, it didn't look to me at Kentucky Downs like he was really getting a hold of the ground. But he still ground out a win. So I, I'm impressed that he was able to win on that soft course. So, um, so he's, 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 I would, I would play big renewer and in premise and I throw in an Alexandra for, uh, any kind of pick ends. So I, on these kind of races in terms of horses, I include, I always like to include the engine and the caboose. And to me, the engine is definitely big renewer and, I would use that horse. I agree with you, Scott. And I agree. Alexandra is closes like a freight train. And Rosario's, you know, the best on these turf sprint on closers. So those two, I, I'm with you guys. I would include them uh, in, you know, vertical plays and maybe even in the horizontals. Um, the other horse I really like in here, besides front run of the Fed, is the five horse wet your whistle. He, they had to supplement him to get him in here last summer. He was got really good and he tailed off. It took him a while to get back into form this year, but his last race was really good. It was kind of a weird race. He kind of got a little lucky because there was a loose horse and the horse that was probably going to be on the lead took back and he is writer. Joe Jose Ortiz uh, got a little bit aggressive and went ahead, took the lead and didn't worry about the loose horse. And it paid off because he got a really good trip and won, but this horse doesn't need the lead. You know, he he's typically not on the lead, so I was kind of impressed that he could run that way. And I just think he's sitting on a really big race, and based on what he was running last summer, if he can uh, move forward off of his last and and run a career best in here, he could win at a big price. And he's one that could could float up above his morning line in here. So I really like those two. I like front run the Fed a little bit better, but. Those are two really live long shots, and and I'll probably be spreading out, keying those with, but in in the verticals, you know, including all the horses you guys like, because I, at the prices I'm gonna get, I can probably add a few horses in. The, the and I am kind of against Scott Stormy. I think she'll might be the she's the morning line favorite. She could go off as favorite, and um, like Paul said, of the closers, I think Alexandra is probably a lot more reliable. Um, and will be a better price. So I'm all about front run, the Fed, the four, and the number five, wet your whistle. Anything else to add on this one, Paul? You know, you guys covered the other horses that I wanted to talk about, which is pretty good. The, I thought Big Renewer is the best speed, and his last race is, uh, was really impressive. Um, and I wouldn't be worried about that. That uh, His trainer is a, is a great trainer. He, he's... Uh, he's uh, He's an unbelievable trainer in California. I'm not worried about that at all. But uh, I don't know. His last race, I'm, I'm just not sure 100%. I know he's got good form, but I, it's so much better than some of his other races that 
I, I don't know if I 100% trust that he's going to run that good again, especially with uh, the pace of everything. But I would definitely use him. And uh, I echo what Chris said about wet your whistle because his big races are really good. And the fact that they're so positive on him. And I think I agree with what Chris said about his last race that even though it was a weird race, the fact that he showed so much speed was such a good sign that this horse is doing good. And I like sharp horses, especially in sprints. So I, I, I definitely would use him as well. And I just wanted to mention that Imprimis, you know, I, I like him as a horse, but he has trouble in what I call these scrambles. When, when races are 14 horses and they're, they're all over the place, he's much, he's, I think he's a much better horse when, with a shorter field and uh, he doesn't particularly like being inside and behind horses. He's shown trouble before in, in situations like that. And he almost has to face that kind of situation with the one and two in front of him. Um, it, you know, you can look at it. He's going to sit into a good spot, but uh, that good spot might, might turn ugly, you know, especially for a horse who doesn't like being down there. So I think he's worth going against just on that alone. Uh, you know, I'm looking for reasons to get him out of there. I don't really want to be on the potential favorite, but um, uh, exactly. I will take it. I'll take another look at the the big field, small field issue for him. Let's move to the sixth race. It's the Dirt Mile. It's a mile on the dirt. First of a million dollars, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't even need to. So much of so I, I realized when I was putting together my my notes that they've named these I don't even have to say like three year old and up because the juvenile races are all Friday. So they've 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 really done a good job naming these things. Paul, what did you think here? They should have named it the Dr. Fager. I guess I guess the young people wouldn't know what that meant though, maybe. That would be kind of cool, though, if they gave it a, they named it after a great horse, you know, gave a great horse on some of these races. I like that idea. Yeah. So. Maybe like historical ones, too, you know? like Yeah, ones that you won't, not trying to promote some horse in a breeding shed, you know, like you yeah, said, right, the horse. Right. <laughs> not the run happy. Not the <laughs> right, not the run happy mile, the run happy, yeah. Um, well, I think this race, uh, well, there's two things that. The the big thing is the decision you got to make or are you going with the Knicks or you're not going with the Knicks. I think that's the whole, the whole key to this race. If you're going to, if you're going to believe uh, the last race and think he's going to repeat it, if he repeats it, he's going to win. You know, it's uh, if he, if he, if you don't believe in it or you think he's going to react some way, I don't think he's going to react some way because he's trained unbelievable sense, but there's always that chance. I don't think the pace is going to hurt him because I don't think there's a lot of it. I guess if complexity decided to get real aggressive, that could work against them. Um, I think it's just trying to figure out what he's going to do around two turns. Complexity is weird for me because his last race was so good that uh, I think it's the best race of his life. And I think he ran really good, but I don't trust him going two turns. And I think, Chasing Nick's go is going to be trouble for him. And the fact that the, what the price is going to be on him, you, you have to chuck him. You know, you, you, uh, you understand that his last race was great, but you have like no other choice, I think, to, to throw him out in, in the situation. Um, 
But I think my gut feeling is Nick Skoe is going to win. He's going to run the same kind of type of race and win. The wild card to me, and if he was, if I, if he was going to be more of a price, I might go with him. But I'm not sure he's going to be, and that's War of Will. I think they've run him on turf all year, and I, don't, I haven't understood it. And he's trained great all year long on the dirt. And I thought his races last year at the end of the year, that which they were disappointed in, I wasn't. I thought that there were some scenarios that, that just didn't work out for him. And I was looking forward to, to him coming back this year and running on the dirt and being a good four-year-old. And, they, and they've just, in my eyes, totally ruined his four-year-old campaign. It might be okay because it's probably good for breeding, and maybe that's why they did it. But uh, So it probably didn't lessen his value. But just for the racing fan, I think we might have gotten – I think probably we'll see after this race if we got cheated by the way they, why they, the way they campaigned him. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he, if he could uh, – if he freaked out in this race and ran a big race either. So um, I would probably go four or five with a little bit more five. A little bit more five. All right, Chris, where did you land? It's funny because I, 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 you stole my notes, as Duke would say, on this one. I totally agree with you on Nick's go. Uh, I think there's a really good chance he repeats or comes close to what he just ran, and that wins. So uh, I was a little disappointed at his morning line. Um, but, you know, I was hoping complexity would get hammered more. But, I mean, I don't know if he's value, but he's the one to beat. and. I didn't feel this way so much uh, until I really dug into this race, but I, I'm totally, totally with you on War of Will. Um, he's my, I think he's the value play in here. I mean, if you look at him, the best, you know, race of his life as one of the best races of his life is when he first went from turf to dirt. He just really freaked on the dirt. And then he reeled off three straight wins on dirt at a mile, uh, less than a mile and an eighth. And then they got on the Triple Crown Trail, and I just don't think – I think a, he's a miler. He's not a, a, a distance horse. And he acquitted himself pretty well. I mean, he actually won the Preakness. I think it was with a dream setup, and I think that's what he would need to win at, you know, anything, you know, beyond a mile and a 16th or so. But, you know, he's a good horse. Yeah, I think he did tail off a little at the end of the year. And then, like you said, uh, he's bred for the turf. I get it why they keep running him on the turf. but um, and he's done pretty well. He won a grade one, but I think he's definitely plus dirt. So he's coming off, you know, he's definitely showed he's the better horse this year with his works and even his, his turf performances are much better than they were, um, earlier. And now he goes turf to dirt, which is where he freaked as, you know, the first time he did this. And this is one of my favorite angles is when a horse is coming off a layoff and it's run a couple races. Um, at the wrong distance or the wrong surface, and now they go to the right distance or the right surface. Because and and, and those races on the wrong distance and surface were better than it, it had ever run before on that the wrong distance and surface in the past, which means it's really doing well. And now they put it where it belongs, and that's where you get the monster effort. And I think he could be sitting on just a, a big big race in here, and he draws a good post. He's, and the rider, you know, definitely knows the horse. And if Nixco does react to his last race or something goes wrong, he gets in a duel with complexity because he isn't, he's not a gritty horse. He's a brilliant horse, but he's not a gritty horse. And 
if he does get challenged, you know, he could spit the bit. That's kind of his M.O. Uh, when he gets out there and can ramble, he they don't catch him. But, man, as soon as he gets in a dogfight, he kind of gives up. So if somehow someone can keep up with him early, anything could happen. And I think War of Will is the one that can can come through here with a big effort. So I know Scott's liked this horse in the past. I'm curious to see what he thinks about this one. But I, I was glad to hear you say that, Paul, because that's exactly um, – the opinion I started to form the more and more I looked at this race and that horse. So I really like war of will is the key. You got to, you know, Nick's go is definitely the one to beat. but those are the two in here that I I'm the most interested in. Paul, I wanted to ask you, do you, on your figures, did Nick's go run like 12 lengths faster than he ever has? Yeah. Uh, the, the Oakland race was, I mean, it's way faster than his races last year. The Oakland race was, was uh, a little better, but I got him about nine lengths faster than the Oakland race last time. <laughs> yeah, uh, to me, like that that horse is a, a is a toss, but maybe he can hang on for third. So, um, uh, as far as War of Will, since you asked, I I don't really like him. Um, I, I especially. After the Preakness, you know, the Preakness was, I was all over him and uh, he was, I was pounding the table for him to win, but then he just, you know, he just got the perfect trip and that was like his peak and he's gotten some okay figures since then. But to me, he's just not the same horse and running in the dirt mile is reflective of how badly out of form he is. And I also don't like the four post for him. He's, he's either going to have to like really be sort of close to the lead uh, he kind of likes to be outside. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, but, but I will say he's 10 to one and like, that's all right. So I'm not going to talk you off him. Um, just, I, that's just my, my interpretation of him is sort of until he shows some new kind of sign of, uh, of life, uh, I'm off him. He won a grade one race in his two back. Yeah, I know. That, I know. That's terrible for him. <laughs> uh, you know, like it and wasn't. And he's like, better on the dirt. He's I think nobody came out. Nobody did anything after that last that that race either. I mean, I think it was just a bad field. Um, but 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 look, uh, we there's a lot of horses to talk about. I, okay, I like Art Collector. Um, now I, I don't love Art Collector, but I but I like him. I, I like. You know he's got a he's got a good post for this mile distance. He's got enough speed to sit close. Uh, in the Preakness, he was bumped a bunch at the beginning, and he was a bit rank going into the turn. And it was just it was just an off effort for him, and he needed an off effort because otherwise he would he, he would be still a low price. So I think he was clearly never comfortable. And since then, he's had like some great workouts, including his notably best work. Uh, so he's the he's sort of my my main play. I also like Mr. Money. I think he's finally you know it took him a long time to get it going, but he proved in his last race that he's sort of back. And I think he's ready to run the best race as a four year old. So I would use him. And then in the try, I think Silver Dust. I mean he's. I know this, I mean, he's going to be higher than 30 to one. He's going to be like 50 to one. He's kind of a head case in the gate, but (laughs) 
I think he could smash the try at a, at a huge price. Uh, he was very fast last year. This year, it took him a while to get going. Um, and then three w- races ago, he was fractious in the gate, but still ran his best fig of the year. And then his next two either had trouble or ran against a speed flow or both. And I like the look of his works. So I think Silver Dust is like, uh, you know, could could uh, anchor a $10,000 try or something like that. So the rail going the two-turn mile with Art Collector, what do you think about is that is that a hindrance or is that okay? Um, I don't I don't love it for him. I, I don't I'm not thrilled with where he's going to be because I think I think there's a good chance he's he's going to get shuffled and it, it'd be interesting to see how the track comes up on on, on these days because. The rail was not good for most of the uh, of the Keeneland fall meet, so I and I, I don't like the way he ran in the Preakness. The Preakness is a funny race. We'll be talking about that later because it was a it was a funny race on figures to to handle. But uh, and and I'm I'm interested to see how he's going to run in this race. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw him out and then just use his performance maybe on 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 some what some of the other horses do later, but. Uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't like his race in the Preakness at all. And, uh, I don't know, maybe at a mile he can close. I, I don't know. I don't see it against these type of horses. And I think he'll be, I think he'll be over bet. I do agree with Scott about silver dust. I think he's a good one in the, uh, to maybe use behind and a horse that we didn't talk about that, that I think actually has a chance to win. And I don't think there's a lot of them that have a chance to win in this race. I, I don't, uh, in the, Horizontals, I wouldn't spread a lot. In the verticals, maybe there'd be a lot of them that maybe can can hit the hit the board, but but not to win. But one that could win, I guess, is Mr. Freeze, and we haven't talked about him. And one of the scenarios where I think he could win is if um, what Chris was referring to is if Nick's go got into a duel or just totally spit it, and and the race kind of fell apart. I think he might be the uh, maybe the classier horse that would take over and Roman's barn's going pretty good right now. And, uh, even though his race did not come up fast in the, uh, when he won at Keeneland, I actually think he's better at a mile. And he, I think two turn miles, probably his best, his best distance, best, best, everything. He's kind of like, uh, you know, he, he can get a mile and an eighth if everything was right, but I think, and he and he can run one turn, but that's not his best deal either. I think his best scenario is a two-turn mile. So I, I expect him to run good. I don't. I think he would be the winner if the other named horses that we, that, you know, the ones we talked about, uh, faltered. Paul, do your figures uh, account for ground loss at all? No, not on the face of it. But um, I will put up. Uh, I put more of a. Uh, general term, if if the horse is wide, where I think that ground loss was a factor, I'll mark it. That that uh, it, it would be higher. Okay. So uh, I use it to be more for interpretation than than necessarily just definitive. You know. Yeah. The only reason I ask is because I was initially in 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 our preview pod on Sunday, I liked Mister Freeze a lot, but then I started looking at the numbers and he got a pretty good number for his last race. And I'm, I'm afraid that it was too good of a number for him. 
So in, in other words, he's not going to run his top top. And the reason why the number came up good is because he was wide the whole way and he yeah, won. And that, I mean, that was very game of him to do that. But I, I think it probably took the starch out of him to win this mile race. Like, I, I just don't think, yeah, I think it was too good for him to run his best race today. Um, now, I think he's still going to be half halfway decent price. So it's not it's not a s- extreme value making that decision but um well yeah he's they have him as six to one so so that's that's my thought process on him what did you think chris i i kind of think i'm i'm not sure where you are landed on him i'm not negative on him i'm with paul that you know his best races fit and if he gets the right trip he's probably as fast as anything in the race other than nick's go um coming in uh, on his best so yeah i think you got to include him if especially if he does you know his odds six to one seems okay i wouldn't bet him to win but i think i'd include him and he could float up above that he's also likely to get another wide trip from out there that's you know that's another reason why i thought like mm, yeah i'm not going with this one he could. It uh, just depends. I mean, this is it, it, for, certainly on the first turn with that short run, he's probably going to be a little wide there. The second turn just depends. I mean, they could really stretch things out. Nick's go is going to go. And I don't know if anybody can go with him. But, um, you know, th- so there, there's going to be a pretty big distance between first and last um, heading on the backside, I think. Right. Any? Uh, did you have anything else, uh, Chris? Because I think you only talked really about War of Will. Uh, no, I really see it. Just I think you guys have covered it. And uh, Nick's goes the one to beat. Uh, if he gets clear, I think he's going to be tough to catch. War of Will, I think, could run a really big race. I think this is the the race that um, he. This is what he's been wanting. This one mile, two turns on the dirt, kind of what Paul was saying about Mister Freeze. I think if you look at him, he's three for three and less than a mile and eighth on the dirt. And he's finally getting back in the, on that trip. It's been like a year and a half since he's had the chance, but I think he's going to run a big one. I've been trying to talk myself into Warren Will, so I'm going to, I might play your, play this back maybe on Friday night, listen to you uh, talk up Warren Will. <laughs> oh, no. To get my you just put them, <laughs> you put the mush on him for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do find listening to the pod again is, is really good because I miss things. I miss good things, and I, I don't have time to write down all the, the cool thoughts that come out, um, the interesting uh, perspectives. So I don't want to miss out on them. Let's move to the seventh. It's the Philly and Mare Turf, mile and three-sixteenths this year. And Chris, I think it's your turn to start. Yeah, this race um... – it's interesting. I don't think the Euro contingent is that strong. Uh, they're okay. I don't think they could win, but you can just tell by the morning line they're not, you know, kind of, you know, really intimidating. I, I think everyone's going to look at rushing fall and mean Mary and just assume it's between those two. You have to keep in mind rushing falls never been this far. Uh, mean Mary, I think, gets better as the distances get longer. So. In their rematch, I'd probably favor Mean Mary, especially at the likely odds, but I don't think there's a lot of value there. I think the horse that's going to get overlooked, as, as strange as it sounds, is Sister Charlie. 
who come into this race last year was the big favorite, Chad Brown. Um, she didn't fire her best shot that day, but her best is can definitely capable of winning this. And her only two starts this year just were, they were preps, I think. I mean, she's clearly needs more than a mile and an eighth or a mile and a sixteenth to run her best. And she hasn't had that chance yet this year. So this is the third trip uh, of the year, and they finally get a distance that re she really needs. And I thought her last race, she galloped out really well past me and Mary in rushing fall. And, you know, I just think this has been the target all year. They finally are going to let her run uh, at a trip that, that she can excel at. She drew a good post, and she could get completely overlooked. So uh, I, I'm not super excited about this race. But to me, you get some value at Sister Charlie. She may not win, but I think you're going to get a trip. I think she's going to sit back and make a run. And I would not be surprised at all if she were to win it. So I'm kind of in the, uh, the two-horse Sister Charlie camp um, in this race. The word is that Chad Brown really likes her chances. He's been talking her up. Paul, what did you think? I can't believe this, this, uh, this pod so far. <laughs> This race here, I was, I had no interest in it when I first started looking at it. And the more I looked at this race, the more I like Sister Charlie. And I thought I was being clever. <laughs> well, maybe you are. Maybe and, we're just really clever together, Paul. Come I on. hope so. I hope you and I are really on the same wavelength. <laughs> because I agree with everything you just said. Um, I, the, the thing that happened that why I've, I'm going that direction is that I thought rushing fall and the, the Mary mean Mary race was going to be slow at Saratoga the way it was run. And, um, it was the opposite. It was very good. It was very fast, but of in that race, I agree totally with what you say about sister Charlie is that I thought she was the best horse when I've gone back and watched that race. And my, my thought process was that starship Jubilee and sister Charlie didn't get the, the best shakeout in that race. And that they could they could turn in certain situations on the on the top two. And if you look at this race of the four horses, the sister Charlie is in the best scenario. He's going to get a good trip. Likes the mile and three sixteenths. This is the race they've been prepping for all year. Should run the run the best. Likes Keeneland. Her best races are are, are the best. She's the best horse on on their on their best efforts. I agree it's too far for rushing fall to, for her best. And the more and the more I looked at this race, I thought Sister Charlie was the, was the obvious play of the, of the American horses. I do think that even though they don't have typical European form, I do find two of the Europeans interesting. And that would be the 11 Adira and the 14 Cayenne Pepper. But the 11 is really interesting. In fact, that, she was a, a no-nothing horse that really didn't have any um, fanfare or any that they didn't think was much. In fact, she won a, a, a horrible poly race in August. It was on the poly track, and just watching it was painful. <laughs> but um, and and out of that race, she's won two Grade Ones. And if you watch her, or she won Grade One, and then she ran third in the race at Longchamp. But she ran unbelievably well in that race against. Uh, the horse that's running in the in the turf race, an Alpine Star, the two fillies that beat her, and I thought 
she's just gotten better and better. Just one of these horses, what, what my father would love, where, you know, she just picked it up as in a, a four-year-old filly. You know, sometimes they pick it, pick it up later in their uh, lives and, um, and then they just get good and it doesn't matter who they run against. They just get better and better and it, it, it form figures, nothing matters. And, uh, I think she's got that kind of look. Cayenne Pepper's more of a, more of a classic type horse where she's run against some of the good horses. She's also run against, uh, Tar- Tarnawa, who's going to be one of the, the favorites in the, in the turf and magical. They're the two horses that have beaten her. And then she won, and she won real impressive. Um, she turned on. She beat Magic Wand easily in in the the race at Cura last time, and she was visually impressive. So I mean, she's in post fourteen. Um, I'm not sure that matters. She's got a little bit of speed, uh, Cayenne Pepper. So I think maybe she could make position. And Keeneland Turf is a little bit different than maybe some of these other turf courses where you don't have to be, you know. Ground loss isn't all that, all that important as long as you don't get, uh, you know, as long as you don't get hung out too bad. So, but those are the three horses that I that interest me the most: two, eleven, and fourteen. Okay. Well, I will definitely, especially because I've heard so many uh, opinions that I respect on the Sister Charlie train, that I will I will have her in the in the pick ends for sure. However, I'm going to go a little bit different direction. I really like Starship Jubilee. I mean, this filly, this mare, is running her eyeballs out. She's just she's she's loving life right now. She's five for her last six. She's training up a storm. Bruno, who was on our uh, pod, our preview pod on Sunday, said that his people say she's doing terrific. She gets the rail. She's got positional speed. She doesn't have to be near the lead. She can drop back wherever she wants, but she's going to get a good. Uh, uh, she'll she'll save ground on the first turn, allowing her to uh, make a big run on the second turn, no matter where Giroux puts her. She's a little slower than Rushing Fall, but a ten to one is a play. I mean, after beating the boys at a mile, uh, I I think she's she fits on figures. She's got a good post, and ten to one says, bet me. Yeah, I uh, I don't disagree that she's live in here. I I mean I I would prefer Sister Charlie, but like Paul said, she probably didn't have the best of it in that last race, and I think the additional distance probably works more in her favor than it does Rushing Fall, at least. So I wouldn't talk you out of that. And she does draw the rail, which is not a bad place to be typically um, on the turf course. So yeah, I she's uh, she's two for five on the turf uh, at the distance. And, um, I mean, just what a great story, right? You can, she's 19 for 37 on the turf. I I can just see, I can see the fanfare, the celebration, like Starship Jubilee is like just at her best at run the race of her life as a seven-year-old. I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those Breeders' Cup stories that, uh, I can see being spread. I wouldn't talk out of that either. She was crazy good in that, in that mile race. I actually... I was disappointed that she came back in this race. I know distance isn't um, – she's run okay at these longer distances, but uh, she was so good at that mile race that up at Woodbine that I was hoping that they would uh, they would stick with that. And and like Chris said earlier, I, I just am going more off that Saratoga race. If you, 
I could I could see your argument that maybe she moved up and she's it's hard to it's hard to make that argument with a seven year old, but she was so good in that mile race and it was it was hard for me to comprehend. You know, was it that she ran better? Was was it uh, you know being home? I, I I didn't know what to what to make of it, but I would I certainly wouldn't talk you off as a Starship Jubilee. All right. Um, well, if we don't have any other thoughts, let's move on to the sprint. It's the eighth race, six furlongs, purse of two hundred thousand. Paul, what are you thinking here? Well, the first thing that I, when I was looking at this race is with Vacoma out, there's no spectacular horses, which is a kind of a rarity in the sprint. Especially, I mean, I've, maybe I'm spoiled, but uh, we've had so many good sprint races in the in recent years. You know, horses that run massive figures and just unbelievable sprinters. That uh, when you were when I was looking through this race, I kept looking, where is that horse? You know, where is the one that 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 is is that uh and i couldn't find <laughs> i couldn't find him i mean you know you know look at whitmore you know some of these he runs massive figures and he would and he would you know he gets beaten you know open lengths pretty much in every year and one of these things i think his best race could actually uh win this race i i just don't think he's coming in in the best of form so it would be hard for me to uh to go with him. So the the more I looked at the race, the more I thought that the, the horse that I'm going to play is diamond oops. And I, his form is a little bit hard to break down because they, they've run them all over the place. He was, he ran a mile and an eighth. He ran the breeders cup dirt mile. He's running the grass. He's such a nice horse that he, he, he does good. doesn't matter what he runs, but, I think at the heart, he is the sprinter, and he may be the one that could be ultimately the the breakout sprint horse that I was looking for. I know his figure didn't come up that way in, in when he won at Keeneland, but I think that was a type of race that he won without a trip, and those type of races necessarily don't come up fast. And I think the more I looked at this race, the more I think he could get a trip in this race on top of everything. And he's got old breakout figures. Um, I have the race that he ran in the Mr. Prospector as very fast. He he ran second in that crazy race that Imperial hit won at Saratoga last year that got a big figure that a lot of people didn't believe. So if you if you muddle through it, he's got some massive breakout performances, and uh, I think uh, I think he's the horse to, to go to. I I also think that. CZ Rocket is the horse to beat. I don't want to play him, but I definitely would don't want to get beat by him. I think he's the most uh he's got the most reliable, highest figures that he's that he's uh, put out. And most of these other horses can't get to his level. So I do think he's the horse to beat, but I'm I'm going with Diamond Oops. Diamond Oops, uh he's definitely a use for me. Chris, where did you land here? Well, I do think Yao Pan is the one to catch. He seems like he should clear early, although I'll be interesting to see. I'd be interested to hear what Paul thinks about that. Um, but he won't be any value. I, I, I just think Paul likes CZ Rocket, but I kind of like Florenze Fire 
for the same reasons in that he just pounds out good races every time. You could say he's a New York horse, but, you know, he shipped and won outside New York. Um, and even last year in the Breeders' Cup sprint, it was not a bad effort. He had to chase Matoli and Chancelot, and I think he's probably a little too close to that pace, and he got a little tired at the end, but those two aren't in this race. And um, I know he was in the Jason Service barn, but in the Kelly Breen barn, I think, if anything, he's been more consistent. I mean, his if you throw out the races on a sloppy track, um, he's been pretty awesome on a fast track this year. And there just isn't, like like Paul said, there's no monster in here. And I just think he consistently pounds out races that could win in here, and he just won't get any respect. And he just, to me, is an obvious play on the numbers. And he should get a pretty good trip um, as well. And I don't know. I It just looks pretty obvious but i just haven't heard anybody picking him you know at all in this race and and to me he's probably the most likely winner other than maybe yalpon if he clears um i have another really uh big long shot i like quite a bit too but i to me frenzy fire is one you just have to play i i just i maybe you could see the argument he ships he might not run as well but like i said that race at santa anita was probably better than it looked and, um, you know, he just has been very good on fast dirt. Uh, he just doesn't run a bad race. So, Renze Fire, the eight horses, who I'm definitely going to be putting some money on in here. Okay, I'm going to – I'm actually rolling with Whitmore. He is my play, and I think it's a tradition for me to pick him in this race. I, <laughs> This is the fourth time, and I think I've picked him every time. And uh, I don't think he's won, but he's always run well. So I, you know, but it looks like he's off form, right? But I, I dug a little deeper. Well, first, let's go back to his last big race. He ran a big race at Oakland in April. It's, it's, it's a race that he points to every year, and he wins every year. Some time off. Came back to Saratoga. He broke through the gate. He also chased a speed flow. So toss that one. Um, his next, he was off slow and it was a sloppy track. And he's run well on the slot before, but like be, you know, the combination of being off slow and the sloppy track, that's a reason enough to toss a race for me. Then in his last, he was herded after the start, and there may have been some bumping. Uh, it just it wasn't a it wasn't a great trip, and he's kind of circling back to one of his top numbers again. I don't see why he can't run his top number and his top number in this year. Forense fire is the only one who can run a bigger number than him based on, you know, just the past numbers. So if he can run the top number, he, he can win this race and he's working fast again. He gets Irad. I get the feeling Moquette wanted the best and reached out to Irad and, and just knowing that this would be Whitmore's best race of the year. So at 15 to one, I want, I want every bit of him. And, uh, he, he always runs well in the sprint. I, I don't, I think that his, I think he's in better form than it appears based on his performances. Yeah. And he did, he did beat, um, friends at fire. He had a better trip. Um, I think he benefited from the fast pace rather than trying to chase it at Santa Anita last year. But, yeah, he's an old warrior. I don't know if he'll get the job done and from a win in, but definitely the kind of horse that 
I would def would want to include in the exotics. Um, I did have one other horse I like quite a bit, and that's the four horse Bon Razon. Um, yeah, he looks like he's too cheap to win this race, but he's had some, he's run some races that really are good enough to win in here. And he ran really well in a race back in Saratoga last year. He joined this new barn. Um, I think he's pointed to a big effort and I think he'll get completely ignored at the, at the windows and it wouldn't shock me at all if he were to win. So I kind of like four bone zone. I would also use him. I, I will note that he was relentlessly whipped in his last race to get up. Now that doesn't mean necessarily that he's not going to run an, another big race and an even better race, but I did notice that, you know, the biscuit, was uh, going nuts with the whip from uh, the beginning of the stretch on. And uh, he needed to <laughs> because the horse just barely got up. Yeah, and this he comes back pretty quick. But if you look at his his uh, past performances, I think he, he runs better off the short rest. And I think that last race should really tighten him up. I'm not saying he's a standout, but I definitely think his best – race last year at saratoga it wasn't like it was at some you know mid-atlantic track or something was good enough to win this i mean it, and i i at least the numbers i'm looking at so i'd be curious to hear what the numbers that paul has say his chances are if he runs his best and also cc rockets numbers don't look that fast to me so i'm wondering are your numbers is he faster than the field because he He's consistent, but he doesn't seem like he's been running that fast this year. He is slightly higher than than everybody. Yaupon race at Saratoga is is about the same. Whitmore and Frenzy Fire and in CZ Rocket, I have all very similar. Whitmore and Frenzy Fire's normal effort. Um, the problem I have just with Whitmore and Frenzy Fire both is that. I just don't think they're – I think the best is behind them. I think they both can get in it. and uh, But I think we're we're looking at the end of their careers, and I don't think them to go forward. So that's kind of why I was being against those two. I, not that I not that it would shock me if they, if either one of them ran good. And I, I agree with you that Frenzy Fire has run good this year. However, I'm always suspect because he's always loved Belmont so much. And I, I don't think he runs bad everywhere else. He just runs so good at Belmont. You know, that's my only. So I wouldn't. I, that's why I'm kind of against those two more. That, so, you know, the interesting thing figure wise for me in this race was that. You know, I was trying to find a horse that was going to have some kind of breakout uh, pace figure, you know, and Yaupon and Frank's rocket would be the two that I thought would be the most likely that would do that. But neither one of them have shown it yet. You know, so it's like. I wouldn't surprise me if, if both of them just went out and speed popped. Either one of them could do that or, or either by in the first quarter or the second quarter and just open it up because they're, they're both pretty brilliant. Uh, they both have brilliant speed. Just mathematically on the figures, they haven't shown it, you know, like the Breeders' Cup sprint type numbers. And I guess that's why I was being arrogant towards them because they just haven't done it yet. But watching them in race, I think they m- have, might have the potential to do it. 
I just, uh, I'm more on, you know, my brother Duke is more visual. I'm more on the paper. I, I want to see it, uh, you know, like in the, in the info before I, I, I go. But neither one of those two, if they did something like that, would surprise me. The question you asked me about Brown Rizone is, uh, well, first of all, I'm a little, <laughs> he beat me out of a ton of money when he beat Manny Watt in that, uh, that day at Keeneland. I, I had singled Manny Watt and all the picks and everything. And I couldn't believe it when Von Rizone beat me that day, but he did run good. So I can see why, why somebody would, and he, he, he won without a trip. I don't even know how he did it. So that's why I'm kind of, uh, I, you know, I believe it, but I, I don't know. I, I just, what about his, what number did you give him back in his, his good races in Saratoga? I mean, was that, did that come out of nowhere or does he run him back to those numbers? He, he ran back to those numbers. He ran back to those numbers. But, but, but uh, even so, it's a little light compared to like say CZ Rocket or Whitmore or Frenzy Fire. Hmm. I just wanted to mention one horse that I always mention that I think is coming round and back into form that I think more as a, uh, uh, vertical uh, play that could get in it. It's Hog Creek Hustle. That race there came up fast that that uh, he, he came out of. And those horses are running earlier in the day on Friday or Saturday. I don't remember when, which. But by that time, we'll know if that how good that race was. But I think he's a, he's a bomb to get in it. Um, and I actually have always thought he's that the, that the uh, – you know, he's, he's going to, it's more of like his home track type thing at Keeneland. And I've always thought that that horse has got a little bit more in him than he's, than he's shown. So he's kind of my bomb. He's my bond zone would be on Creek Hustle. Okay. Yeah. I've always had a fun spot for him. He scored some big, big hit scores for me. Um, so yeah, yeah. I like that horse. The next race is the ninth. It's the mile, the Breeders Cup mile. It's a mile <laughs> on the turf. <laughs> and I think this is uh, Chris's turn to start. All right. Uh, we are recording, right, Scott? We are recording. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I, I really, at, at, before they drew, there were two horses I really liked in here. The two, Kamiko and the 11, Ivar. After the draw, I've definitely, you know, moved much more towards the Kameko or Kamiko camp, the two horse, um, because of because of the post position draw. And I just love this horse. It really is a turf miler. Kind of getting back to the theme I've had on some of these races, where this when this horse is is just a miler. They they took a few shots with him, kind of understandable. Uh, he, he, he's run really well in a mile, but I mean, he's a, he's a three-year-old and they tried him in the Epsom Derby at a, at a mile and a half. Of course you take a shot there. He didn't disgrace himself, but that's just too far. And then they cut him back to what he really likes at a mile, um, at Godwood. And he got a brutal, brutal trip. Uh, you could argue he was the best horse. He had no chance with the trip he got, especially late. Um, so that was his next race in mile. And then for some reason, they stretched him out again. I don't know why uh, against really good horses. Gaia's probably the best horse in Europe, magical, not far behind. And he didn't disgrace himself. But again, that's just too far for him. And they cut him back uh, to a mile again. And he ran really well his last start. 
And so here he is in the mile. Um, I just think he's a really good European miler, and the really good European milers typically are better than the Americans. And he draws the good post. Uh, should be a square price. I mean, I don't know what. I think the six to one's probably a pipe dream. But he could go off at maybe four to one. I, I just think he's the most likely winner. He offers some value. Gets in light as a three-year-old. Three-year-old euros have done well in this race. Um, there's just a lot to like about him. You know, and Ivar, I like a lot too. I just think with Talamo on an outside post going a mile on the Keeneland turf course, uh, he's going to have a tough time getting the trip. But he's the other horse I like in here. But I, I think Cameco is the play. So number two, Cameco. Okay, Cameco, Cameco. We'll find out what the pronunciation is when they run the race. Paul, what did you think? I don't disagree with uh, what uh, Chris said at all on chemical. In fact, I agree with him totally. I think the races he's lost is because of wrong distances and bad rides. And he's a American bred by Kitten's Joy, and he's a three-year-old. And when I've watched him, I think he, he'll like going left-hand, left-handed, which uh, which would make sense, you know, with his with his breeding. So uh, I definitely don't disagree there. I'm I'm kind of married to a horse in this race that that I've been following. Uh, I, I like digital age that I think might get overlooked in the race. Um, he ran in a, in a race that, that I had as a tricky figure back at Saratoga that originally we didn't think was that good of a race. And then I finally had an epiphany and I figured out that that race was, was fast and I figured out how it was. And um, he came back and verified that in the, in, in the Churchill race. And I kind of like the way, He's training into this race, even though it's not as flashy as maybe some of the other Chad Brown horses. I think uh, his figures are, are sneaky good. They've gotten better as a four-year-old. And I know the mile's a little bit of a cutback, but I, I like it. I, I like it in the scenario. Um, and I like it for this horse. So I, I'm, I'm sticking with Digital Age. I've been kind of on that route. And... I don't want to jump to the Europeans as a default in this race because the mile turf horses this year, I've gotten run pretty fast. Um, but when they drew the race, I, you know, I have the Ivor race very fast. I, he's a little bit of what little Andy calls the last time was a, t- was a horse. The last time was the time horse because uh, last time was the time to, to get him off that fast pace race. He ran at Kentucky downs, but He's a nice horse, and he's run fast figures, and I, w- I would definitely use him. But some of these other outside horses, like Factor This and Raging Bull, I'm not sure where they're going to get any trip. And even Halliday, the scenario, who's run fast figures, even with some good setups, I think they're kind of in trouble with their their outside posts going a mile and the way the, the race is going to go. So it might work out to my advantage for, for my digital age, just the fact that I can throw some of these other horses with good, good figures out just because of the way the, because of the race shape. So I, I'm, I'm mainly five, two. Um, but I do want to mention another, uh, foreign horse too, that I did watch that. No, most of the time I don't like the foreign sprinters going a mile. For some reason, they think that the, the sprinters can go a mile in this country. And, and I think that's a mistake. I don't like them normally, but safe voyage to me kind of looks like, uh, an American horse when he runs, he, uh, especially this year when he's gotten better. 
he's he's gotten really sharp. And if if for some reason he can he can stay close to Halliday and uh, stay in the game, he's a very game horse that uh, that uh, might have a chance. And I would definitely use him as a, as a foreign horse. And those would be the only two foreign horses I use would be uh, would be the two and the six. But uh, I'm going to key Digital Age. Well, Paul, I I thought you were going to name my horse when you started talking about Europeans that are stretching out. But I had a sort of an epiphany, which may turn out to be um, a nightmare, but I had an epiphany (laughs) this morning when I was handicapping this race. And I like, I love this, this horse. That's a huge long shot. And I love his chances. Lope E. Fernandez. Like, do you even remember that horse's name? He's in the three hole with Frankie Dettori. He was ridden by Ryan Moore in his last couple of races. This horse is, he's a horse that needs more ground. He ran, uh, and he need, he needs firm and he needs more ground. So his last two races were like six furlongs. And the time form comment said, this horse needs more ground. He's circling back to his top. His top is not quite enough to win, but he's also, he's on the inside. He gets a little weight break and he prefers the firm again. And when he debuted this year at a, in a grade one at a mile, he ran his best race up until that point. So uh, he's 30 to one morning line, could be higher. Like I, I thought this was a chaos race to begin with. I, I, I tweeted something about like, what's a 50 cent, you know, all, all, all try because it could be that kind of, it's that kind of race. I mean, the, the, to me, there's no real standout, even though you make a, a really good case for Kamiko, Chris. Um, so that's my, that's my play. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to key him and uh, use him with almost every horse, you know, with some, uh, some, some sort of like, you know, 10 horses and then Lopi Fernandez in second position and then, and then another 10 horses, that kind of thing. Good old Lopi. Go Lopi, go. Go Lopi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I kind of see, um, I kind of see, you know, what you're getting on Lopi Fernandez. uh, It'll be interesting if he stretches out. Um, He did run a decent race at the start of the year going longer and, he does seem to prefer the firmer ground. So, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't talk you out of that. I don't know if he's good enough to win, but certainly hit the board. Um, it does seem pretty wide open to me after Cameco. I do think Cameco kind of stands out in here uh, with the the post. And I kind of agree with Paul. The American horses kind of really got hurt with the draw. They all got stuck way outside. And of the Americans, Digital Age is the one that got a good post. I kind of thought he was sort of what uh, you were saying about Ivar, that that last race was the time to play him. And in fact, I think that was the podcast we had Maury Wolf on here. And he and Maury and I both were kind of liking this horse because he has so many bad trips. And we were saying if he ever gets a trip, you know, a decent trip, he can win. And he did. But he does have a tendency to get into trouble a lot. So that would be the one concern I'd have with that horse. Um, is just his tendency not to get an ideal trip. Um, but he does, he have the Americans, he is the one that got a good post. And he may get overlooked. There's, this, Like you said, 
it, this is a race where the favorite really could go off at four to one like it has the more. I don't think it's going to be Ivar that's the favorite, but um, whoever is the favorite might be four to one in here. And that's why, to me, there is sort of one standout in my mind. That's Cameco. I, I just think clearly he's a notch above these uh, going a mile. So uh, I'll have to, it's all about the price in terms of the win bet. But for horizontals, he'll probably be at least a lone A for me in pick fours and pick fives. Yeah, Digital Age always gets overlooked. I mean, his big win, I, not every single race, but like his big race at Churchill as a three-year-old, he was eight to one. And his last race, which was a grade one at Churchill, he also was eight to one. Just got up for um, to catch factor this. Who we haven't mentioned, yeah, it, but you're right. We should mention because factor this, you know, that's that's another reason why I like Digital Age. He came back and ran in that massive race at uh, at at uh, Pimlico. That I know in that crazy turf course, but that race was extremely fast and backed up the big figures that Digital Age had ran. And actually, fact of this had run some big figures at Fairgrounds, you know, for me. So all these big figure horses came together in that Churchill race that Digital Age won. And then they came out of the race, and Digital Age um, ran this big figure at Pimlico, in which he beat Some Like It Hot, which I think you guys both picked one time when I was on a uh, when I was on the podcast the other time I was on the podcast with you guys. And he ran second in that big race at Pimlico, and he came back and backed that number up last week at, uh, I think it was in New York. Yeah, yeah. When he, when he he won the stake race, and he was very really impressive and ran back to that figure again. They This group of horses keeps running these big figures in fast times, you know, and uh, that's so kind of my ideal. Like, so. so it sounds like you want to upgrade factor this. I mean, maybe with his speed, he can – overcome that post i, I um, do i i'm not against fact of this i just don't like the you know the race scenario that i see for him you know if i can envision yeah it, with holiday I, I guess if he goes out and they and it's just those two and he stalks a slow pace but i think it's going to be more complicated than that but i guess he could fall into that or maybe they decide to try to rate holiday or holiday has big question marks with that leg infection. They gave it antibiotics. It misses class race. It might run, throw a clunker. Who knows? Yeah, if he ever got if he ever got clear, he could be really dangerous. So I mean, uh, you know, for the for the listeners, I definitely think if you've got reasons to like factor this and you see it a little bit shaping up differently than I do, um, I wouldn't be afraid to take him either because he's. I, I agree. He's got the I numbers agree. to back it up. Well, let's try the the next race. It's the tenth. It's the distaff, a mile and an eighth on dirt, and it's Paul's turn to get us started on this one. This is the race I see the clearest, actually, all, all of, of that I've looked at so far in the Breeders' Cup, and um, it it's one of those things where when we talk about how does it take you a long time to handicap a race or a short time to handicap a race, this one was short. And I know where I'm going, and I I, uh, I see a pretty clear cut. I think that the two favorites are are really good, and I don't have anything against either one, Swiss Skydiver or one of my one of my girl. I think they're maybe a little bit a hair overinflated in, the, in their ability right at this minute. I think Swiss Skydiver got a great ride and a on a perfect trip 
scenario in the Preakness. And Mata, my girl, might not be quite as good as she was before, but they're both really good. I think they're both going to run good. So I don't – it's not like I, I'm against those two, but I, I like Harvest Moon, the three-year-old improving filly from California, who keeps getting better. And it was what – Scott, what you were talking about earlier, you know, didn't run fast figures real early on at Del Mar, but was five wide in both, both races. And then her last race, I have really fast, and she came back to beat some some horses that had been running um, pretty fast before that Baffert horse, and and uh, I can't remember the other horse, but the the California fillies out there were running faster than you would expect too, and she she beat him fair and square, and I think this is a three-year-old filly that's just getting better and better, and and this is a clear value play where I think she's has a chance to move forward where everybody else, you kind of know where, where they're at. And I, the more I look at this race, the more I like harvest moon. I think she's going to run good. And it's one of these races where you just take her with the two favorites and hope you're right. 12 to one morning line. You got to like that. Chris, what did you think? I didn't have a really strong opinion after the two favorites. I, I kind of like what Paul said about harvest moon. I think you could maybe make a, a case for horologist who on her best tends to run well, but she doesn't typically ship that well. And um, maybe even Valiance off that last race, although I think she was she had the favorable trip and setup in there. So I'm not I'm not really anxious to bet against Monomoy Girl or Swiss Skydiver in here. Um and I just really don't know. I mean, I could go with Harvest Moon as much as any of any of the rest. I, this is the race where I have not much of an opinion, and probably I just use five and ten in horizontals and move on for me in this race. Well, I have an opinion, and um, and I'm going to be betting this race because I love Point of Honor. She ran a new top three races. I knew you ago. were going to say that. I knew you, did? you were going to say that, Scott. How did yeah, you know that's that? That's the only other horse that I have any interest in, and I just probably listened to you and knowing the horses you like, I knew you were going to like that horse. But go ahead. <laughs> and, and and really, like I've been against her every race this year. I mean, yeah, like, I've I, liked her. I've liked her some, and you haven't ever liked her. So it's kind of funny that I I think she has a shot in here, but um, it's interesting that you like her. Um, and in the past has been the other way around with the two of us on that horse. Yeah, well, you know, when circumstances change, right? Um, right. When when the when when the the situation changes, uh, uh, modify your. You know, I I I bet almost every. I don't sort of latch onto a horse and just keep on riding it. I sort of analyze the numbers every time I see them, and uh, it's like with a fresh set of eyes. Uh, Point of Honor three races ago, ran a new top and. Uh, that top is a n- not quite enough to win if Monomoy Girl runs her her top, and and same with Swiss Skydiver. But I think Swiss Skydiver is likely to react to her big race last race, and um, and Monomoy Girl I I think has a great shot. She's just not going to be much value. So so, but I'll absolutely have an exacta with uh, Monomoy Girl on top of Point of Honor, but. Um, so it's so a point of honor circling back to that race where she ran a new top. Um, she ran okay. She, I think she was second in that race three races ago. 
just uh, trying to bring up the the PPs. Yeah, so she was second by a nose to She's a Julie. And, um, you know, it, it was a good race. She was favored in that race. Anyway, she's been circling back to that race. And, and I watched the replay of the last race. It was only four horses. They were really strung out. Castellano wasn't really riding her. I mean, like he used the whip. She got a rail trip. He used the whip, but he wasn't really riding, you know, like he wasn't out there pushing, you know, sort of like in motion. He was just, it was, it was very preppy to me and he used a whip so that it looked like he was trying, but he wasn't really riding. So I think point of honor is going to run a big race. And the only question is whether it's going to be big enough to, to, to beat the top two. If I'm correct that Swiss skydiver just ran her eyeballs out in her last race, um, I, I'm not worried too much about her being in the exacta and Monomoy girl. I mean, she's just classic that, you know, I mean, she's, she's just, she's a monster. She's a great horse. There's her, her line looks flawless. So, so it's those two for me. So Paul, yeah, the problem with point of honor, what you were saying is that the pattern's there and George Weaver's doing good, but you know, we, I guess Chris and I are in the same camp with her that we've just been waiting for her to have the breakout race and she just never has done it. You know, I, I've always wanted them to put blinkers on her, you know, to, cause I think she it might be in there somewhere, but she just hasn't showed it, you know, but uh, it, you, you could definitely like her if she, if you had, if she had shown something before, you know, yeah, so, what do you what do you guys think of the pace in this race? Like, is it going to be pretty brisk? Uh, no, I mean I'll be honest. I think Lady Kate yeah, goes out goes out and sets the pace. Um, I don't think it'll be outrageously fast or anything. No, but I, I do, do have think a that Swiss Skydiver will probably take it to Monomoy Girl. They 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 will go at they will they'll probably go. They won't let each other get away from each other. Probably right. Yeah, well, they might be waiting for each other to see who's going to make the first move on Absolutely. Lady Kate. Right, they'll be so, looking I mean, at each other, probably. Yeah. And, and Giroud tends to be more aggressive than Alvarado, and from that outside post, might force his hand a little bit. Although they have a pretty good run in the first turn, so um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just really hard to say. But I think you know, Lady Kate will go to the lead, and I'm not sure what those two will do. I do have one question for you, Paul, on Swiss Skydiver. Um, some of the figures have been pretty fast coming back on the Preakness. How did you have that race? Yeah, that's what we, we, I started to talk about that earlier. The, I think that race is really hard to do as a figure because the race before it was the, a mile and an eighth. It was the uh, Black Eyed Susan. And that race came up ridiculously fast. And and the only race that's like out of just a, just weird it was a weird uh, race to come up fast. First of all, I don't believe it was fast. And then to come up fast right before the Preakness, after everything else seemed to make sense and everything else fell into line. So it, it, you, had to make a, you had to make a decision. Did the track get faster during that time frame? It also was weird that the early races were sprints and those two were routes. So you could, you could split the sprints and routes, but if you – if you went that direction, you uh, that race uh, you could make the Preakness 
slow, slower in that, in that regard. If you thought the track got faster, you could make the Preakness slower. But if you went with that, it was the same variant of the early races and just went with one variant, which is mainly what the, the Sheets guys will do, you're going to, it's going to be ridiculously fast. Both those races are going to come up real fast. And I, I didn't have a good feel of what, of where to go with it, you know? So, in fact, I, I made a note today that the, the Preakness could be five points faster than I have it. It could be, it could be three or four points slower, which is not usual for, for, for me. I, I don't, uh, I don't kind of use that. Your code would, would be whatever the <laughs> confidence code color would be, would be the lowest for me on the Preakness. That would be red. I, I just, so, I, this is a, this yeah, a red, red confidence. It would be a red for, <laughs> it'd be bright red. <laughs> All right. That's uh, good to know. I have a one note that I, I need to, I need to share with you. The harvest moon. I like the, I like the pattern. It looks like she's like at a launching point where she can run a big race on the numbers, but, and, and I didn't bet this race, but I will, I watched that race, the harvest moon, you know, the last race where, where she got up and beat hard not to love. And I noticed on the gallop out, she took an awkward step. And, and then I wrote, she was visibly hobbling, returning to the winner's circle. Now, I just I would just advise you to, to watch it. Uh, the reason, whenever a horse takes a bad step like that after a, ga- you know, after a race, it makes me nervous. And like, it makes me think that they, they may have run faster than they wanted to or that was good for them. And the horse is 12 to 1, so I don't want to take you off, but but I, I do suggest that you watch that gallop out and just, you know, and just decide for yourself. Yeah, I did not, I did not see that, so I, I will definitely see if I can find anything out on that. But uh... Yeah, because it seems like you're pretty keen on her, and uh, I, I certainly don't want to take you off her, especially if she wins. But, um, but I, you know, I, I feel it's sort of my, my responsibility to share that trip note because I put it in there myself and I didn't bet the race. I just happened to be like hanging around with uh, TVG on and, and, and I watched the race. I'll take a look. All right. Let's move to the 11th race. It's the turf, a mile and a half on the turf. Chris, what are you thinking here? I think I have an idea. Are you still thinking it? Yeah, I mean, I'm. This is a race where I'm not super excited about it, but you know, I. You know, everyone likes Magical the Two Horse, and I, I've heard all kinds of steam on the three Tarnawa or Tarnawa. I'm not sure how you say that. So those are probably the the two to beat, and they drew good posts, and they have good riders and everything. So I not against those at all. They're probably going to win. I do think Arclo is interesting in here because, you know, his best races aren't that bad. They're probably not good enough to beat those two, but he is on, on his home turf. He drew the rail. He's really coming up to this race in, in, in peak form, I think. And if he got the right trip, he comes from way back, but if he gets the right trip, you know, he's, he's the one horse that a I, I can't believe the morning line's ridiculous. Five to one on that horse is just, that's one of the worst morning lines um, I've seen in a while. But um, I think it'll be much higher than that. But uh, I don't think he's a great bet just because the Euros are really tough in here. And I didn't even mention a couple others. But um, 
so I'm probably not going to bet a lot in here, but Arklow's the kind of the the outsider that I think has a shot at a price. So the one Arklow, uh, I'm not crazy about it, but um, I think he has a a chance to at least hit the exotics, and I think he'll be a bigger price, much bigger than his morning line. Okay, Arklow, uh, I I certainly like him. I like his chances. Paul, what did you think? I like Arklow. I'm 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 with Chris. I I actually I think he's going to be around five to one because I think the the main thing with Arklow is that he ran way better with blinkers, and I think that's going to be the that's going to be the key. I think he got lost early in some of those races, going a mile and a half, and then the blinkers totally improved his pace figures last time. I know it's Kentucky down, so it's not the most reliable pace figures, but but just watching it. He's more. He, I think he'll be able to put him more where he wants to put him, and uh, he's trained real good since. And I, I think he's going to sit perfect in this race. And the more I look at it, the more I like Arklow. Um I think Magical. If you want to go against her, the one, the one thing that I would say is that even though she went and ran second, mile and a half to enable, mile and a half is stretching it with her, and I don't think it's it's ideal the ideal distance for her um i don't know if that's enough to bet against her but uh, uh I, d- I do think that uh, a mile and a half is not ideal and the aga khan always has these uh horses that can run that can run forever and have these huge kicks going a mile and a half uh, forever and ever and usually they're fillies so i don't know how that happens but uh this is another one in 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 line with with, uh that is that group but uh i think tarnawa you'll have an idea of how good she is by the way cayenne pepper and some of those other fillies run earlier on in the day um see how her class stacks up against against these horses and um but she had a really impressive uh run down the in the at longchamp going a mile and a quarter she was just getting going and uh, she might be the the now horse, I guess. If uh, at the time, the, the the European horse that I looked at that I was hoping to like was Mogul, but the more I looked at his races, I know he was he was entered in the arc and he was one of those four scratches where they were um, he could he, where they where the O'Brien horses didn't make it. But um, I didn't like his left hand races. I don't, I don't think he's really a mile and a half horse either. So uh, I, I, I walked away, even though he's a three-year-old, and that that's kind of he fits the kind of the criteria that I wanted to to play in this race. Uh, the more I watched his replays, the more I, I didn't like him. So I'm I'm going back to the American horse, Arklow. All right. Well, <clears throat> I love a horse here. I said it on the pod the other day, and I'll say it again. Um, United, he's going to be value because people think he can't run on anything but California turf. And he's run only once outside of California, and that was his very first race. So toss it. It doesn't matter. I love the pattern. He ran. uh, He matched his best three races ago. He's circling back to it. The last race was really easy for him. It just means that it didn't take anything out of him. He's got um, 
plenty in reserve. I think he runs a new top. He has positional speed to make his trip. If he if they go slow, he can be on the lead. Uh, he should be able to be, you know, he's not going to get a wide trip. That's for sure. And um, he has a 111 flat workout from two weeks ago coming into this. And I, I, I look forward to seeing the workout reports on on that because, I mean, what are they going to say? I, I, I saw the work. He looked great. I mean, he just he gets his mind on business and uh, he's just he's a big old horse. I love United, but I also have uh, an, in all caps on my sheet, I have Arclo United exact a box. But talk me off United, guys. I mean, it's too late now, but. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it would be possible. <laughs> yeah, pr- probably not. Probably not. But oh, and uh, just, uh, just a note on Tarnawa. Anecdotally, um, uh, people are going nuts over that horse. And one one way I can tell that is by looking at the Sport of Kings odds for the, the horse tourney's finals. There's only, uh, or for the Sport of Kings NAC finals, there's only 300 people in the contest and only 61 picks have been made. But Tarnawa is the even money favorite. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely got the buzz of the Euros in here. And I agree with Paul Magical. They haven't ran her beyond, I think, a mile and a quarter this year. So clearly the barn thinks she's better than a mile and a quarter. She did run a pretty good race against Enable at a mile and a half uh, a couple years ago. So I don't think it's beyond her scope, but definitely not her wheelhouse. And Mogul, you know, he sort of makes sense. that I, I don't like outside posts going three turns. That always makes me nervous. Um, he does have a good rider, but I mean, the last thing you want to do is be caught wide on three turns in a race. So that that's usually not a, a good way to win. So that makes me a little nervous on Mogul. If he had a better draw, I'd probably be higher on him. The one Euro, well, there are a couple Euros, but the one we haven't mentioned is Lord North, who I think he really is a mile and a quarter horse. His best races are very good. Um, his last race wasn't great, but it was over supposedly some just horrifically soft ground that he does not like. So, or he did not like. So, uh, I don't think you can throw him out uh, of the Euros. He might be the one you get a price on, uh, you know, of the of the major competitors of the Euros. So, Lord North's probably not impossible. Uh, you you neglected to debunk my United. Oh, I, I just don't like him. I think he's he's been getting perfect trips against bad horses. I, I just don't see how he beats good horses. So, you know, I just don't think he's that good. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say, Scott. I, I, I don't think he has any chance at all. Okay. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, I, I kind of uh, agree with Chris, but everybody I know likes United – I will say this, he's been working unbelievable. I agree with you. When you watch his workouts, he's he's working really good. I, I, he just, maybe for Chris and I, we're kind of math nerds guys. He just doesn't run fast enough, and he gets good trips, you know, and maybe that's why I fall into these traps and turf races too. I don't like horses like them, and they, they sometimes run good. So, I, you know, I, I don't want to be a, as much as a contrarian as Chris is on him. But, and he's probably going to get another okay setup. At, at the worst case scenario, he's probably stalking, he's stalking Lord North and Channel Maker probably. And uh, I just wanted to mention that if anybody is looking, that what Chris said about that, that track, that Ascot, just throw out any race, 
throw at any race on that day on any of those horses. That was one of the worst turf courses you'd ever you'd ever see. It, it wasn't a true indication of anything. So if, you, if you're worried about that last race on any of the horses, uh, just throw it out. I'm not sure. I, I don't really like Lord North anyway. That was my problem with him. I, I threw out his last race and I, and I couldn't get to, I couldn't get there anyway. And your point about Tar- Tarnarwa being the even money or something like that. I wouldn't like, I wouldn't like that at that, at that price because, you know, she's a, a, a Philly would running against boys, but she's run running in Philly races over there, which is, you know, it's different than, than magical magical runs against, against Colts, uh, you know, and gelding every time she runs the, she's been in restricted Philly races. So this is a step up for her. So it's not, this is not like a uh, horse coming over that's been running in the arc and, you know, the, the champions day and the good horses on Ascot, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a horse moving up. It's right. uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's 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 a good point, especially uh, yeah. given the amount of steam she has. Right. Um, I, w- I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go too short with her. All right. Let's try the last race of the day. It's the classic, a mile and a quarter on dirt. And I think it's Paul's turn. Paul, what did you think? I didn't want to go first on this one. Um, uh, <laughs> I've had trouble deciding who I like in in the classic because uh, I, I'm not I'm not I I don't have like a, a I think there's only four or five horses that can win anyway, and I don't have anything that that sets the four or five apart. You know, um, I say four and a half probably because I think the four that can win are improbable, authentic, tis the law. And Tom's the ta, and I guess I think that by my standards can get in it, but I, I actually don't think he's probably going to win. I think he's been beaten by the other horses. And, but of the other, of the four, they all got a little bit that I don't like, you know. Like uh, improbable is a horse who we were talking about before. I don't. If you go through his form, and I've been saying this, I think he's actually run the fastest races this year and has run the best, but. He's got he's gotten pretty good scenarios in all of them, and he's done it against short fields. And I've never believed that he can scramble. And I always thought the reason why he didn't run good in the in the big races when everybody was calling him a dog was that he was he's not fast enough to get up and stalk against the really good horses, and he doesn't like being in the middle of of horses in his run. He's got to have a pronounced long run. He's got to have that clear run, and. Um, this isn't a huge field, but the way the race is going to go, he's going to get crossed over by his two entry mates. So it'll be interesting to see how Irad can do it if he can get him in, if he can get into a good spot. And I don't, I don't want to take him as a favorite. I mean, I would, I would take him as a longer price, but not, not as the five to two morning line favorite, you know. And um, tis the law, on the other hand. Everybody's talking about this inside post being the worst thing for him, and I don't think it is. I think it's actually a good sign, and I wanna, I wanna pick him as my as my top choice. But I'm worried about the connections doing something stupid, um, because they don't think he likes being inside horses, or they don't like their their spot, and um, that's why I don't have a lot of confidence. But I'm kind of leaning on Tis the Law, because I think he is going to get the best trip if they just trust 
<laughs> if they just trust in their horse. And I think he has the most ability to go forward. Whereas the other three uh, horses, I think we know how good they are. Authentic might, might be getting better, but I don't think he's going to, he doesn't have a tremendous upside. I think he'll run good. And I think he'll, he'll be comparable to the other two horses, but his the law is the horse that could really break out. And he's the only one of the four that can be the, 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 uh, the real good, um, you know, make the big move uh, of the four. So I've, it's a tentative pick of tis the law, hoping that they, uh, they don't do anything stupid. Okay. Well, um, hopefully they won't do anything stupid. <laughs> Chris, what did oh. you, Although the last time he's on, jerked him over to the outside, which I think is what you're talking about being stupid. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they try to do that again. You know, try to try to pull right and get him in the clear. So um, I, I would be concerned about that. Also, at least I, I. How fast did you have his his Travers? I mean, is that? Uh, is he fast? Is he as fast as like an improbable or a Tom Staytot or or authentic in the breakness? What what do you have in his for his numbers? It's I have it higher than than the uh, than the Derby, but uh, but not but not crazy not crazy fast. In fact, uh, improbable I have faster. Okay, yeah. To you know, so I you know you. I've heard this about improv, the scramble part, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about that, Paul, it's interesting. Um, you know, some horses just handle those big fields better than others, but you know, there's a di big difference between a 20 horse field in the Derby and a 10 horse no on a sloppy track and a, a 10 horse field in here. Good point. And, yeah. and he's had good setups, but it's not like he's a speed horse that keeps getting easy leads or a closer who keeps, you know, getting, you know, setups on the front end. When they go slow, he'll grab the lead and win. When they're normal pace, he'll stock and pounce. And when they go really fast, he'll drop back and run by them. You know, that's how his last three trips have been totally different. And they've all been fast. And he's been beating all these other horses he's in here against. And... You know, I don't know how you can hold that against him, that he's versatile and can always work a good trip. That's a bad thing. I have not. I just don't understand that, how that can be a negative. Um, you know, this horse is versatile. He's fast. He's the classic four-year-old who's matured and gotten better. He's got the best trainer maybe in the history of dirt racing. He's got a really good rider who fits him. Uh, I, I think he's a standout in here. I know everyone says, no, there's no standout. In this I think he's a standout. And so I've, I've been touting him all year. I really like this horse. I mean, if you look at the past Breeders' Cup winners, you know, he looks just like a gun runner or a, um, even last year's Vien Rosso. I mean, he just looks like a horse who's going to win. And uh, I, I don't know what the price is going to be, but I know Tis the Law is very popular. Tom's Detat will take money. Uh, a three-year-old's always get over bet. Maximum security has a fan club. So I just can't believe he's going to be, you know, a heavy favorite in here and probable. So I like him a lot. I mean, I really like this horse. And if I'm alive in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, you know, with a chance, he'll be on top of my plays. I probably won't be playing him to win, but, 
you know, maybe it just depends on how things set up, but I really like improbable. If you roll into that last race with a hundred thousand in your bankroll, you'll put something to win on him. Yeah, probably if I'm that, if I'm that, I'll put something to win on him, but I'll probably be <laughs> keen, you know, trying to catch an exacto or more than likely I'll hopefully have some doubles like an arc low improbable double. I'll be hitting that. I'll be hitting that hard. And if arc low were to win, you know, I could, I don't have to bet him to win. So. Well, so I'm uh, listeners know that we both have loved him probably for his last couple of races. As far as what Paul said, as far as the scramble, I, I have this trip note from the Derby and the, the Derby trip note says covered up, idled mildly, but I wrote head cocked a bit. First time into the stretch, second time, absolute bull impressive. Like he was gaining ground. It was crazy sloppy. You know, there was all that nonsense happening with max security and I didn't even like him probably. I mean, I was betting against him, but, but I just, I saw that trip. I, 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 I marked it down. I mean, I basically said that he's, you know, he's a, he's a really good horse. And, um, and, and so when he's right, like Chris said, he, he does what he needs to do. And I think if he does get crowded and it becomes a tough trip, he's going to overcome it. I also saw him get off the plane. He looked like perfectly, you know, his usual great self and, uh, the workout, the workout, um, I didn't see the November 1st workout, but I think I saw the October 17th workout and he looked great. And then in his last race, I wrote, looked, looked strong and fluid beast coasted home after some taps to remind him to keep going, even extended on the gallop out. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm all in with improbable with Chris. My, uh, controversial opinion is that Tacitus, I, I think he's going to run well. I mean, he might not, so I wouldn't bet too much money on it. But, you know, he's 20 to 1 morning line. Everybody has given up on him. People are making jokes at Tacitus' expense, you know. <laughs> he's getting no respect. Like, the, he's the horse people love to hate, right, in this classic. Um, but I have, in April 19, 2019, in the woods, smashed its start, fell back on hind leg, then clipped heels into first turn, shrugged it off, came on relentlessly to win, absolute absolutely incredibly handled that trouble then uh in the derby some trouble first time stretch shook it off game run by monster horse you know he finished fourth so it's it, it but it's the derby right and it was a sloppy track so he has proven that he can that he's got the the will to to run he just has to he has to know that it's time to do it. And I think he didn't know in the last race because he was on the lead. He's like, Hey, what am I doing on the lead? It must be a workout. So I'm tossing that last race. All right, Paul, jump in. Well, the problem with Tacitus is even if you toss his last race, which I, I don't disagree with you. That it was a, it was a weird race. He's just not fast enough. You know, that's the, and he's had, he's had enough chances to, and he's probably going to get better. He's probably better closing and everything, but he just you just can't play him. It's like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he, he just at this point you got to let him go. You know, I mean, we're talking about the Breeders' Cup Classic here. You know, we're not looking for something to, you know, to get the light to come on. It's it's it, it just you just can't you can't uh, you can't go there, especially with the the, the main four horses, the two 
two, four, and eight, nine. I think the main thing is, even though Maximum Security didn't get a good trip in his last race, you have to be against him, and just hope that some of his his fanfare, you know, gives you value in the race, you know, by by throwing him out. Um, I think Authentic is gonna is gonna run by him. You know, his entry mate's gonna run by him, or or he might not even get ahead of him. You know. Yeah, and that's a good the, question. The way Authentic's been I, training. Yeah. I thought Authentic was the one who gets the lead in here. Do you would you disagree with that? Um, well, I just assumed that they would send Maximum Security because you know off his last race, just all out send him. And, and but Authentic was got Velasquez. I agree. I, I I'm with you. If, <laughs> if, I don't know. I don't know how you would want to concede with Authentic either. So it, that's why I'm I'm a little confused in just how the race is going to go and you know and all that stuff. I just uh, I, I I don't disagree with you guys that Improbable has been the horse to bet all year, but I'm I'm and and I have I have played him in in all these races. I've singled him right along, but I think this is the time maybe where he he just uh, is a little bit vulnerable. I think he's. I, I don't disagree that he's the horse to beat. That he is, like you said, Chris, the the thing that you made about he's the classic four-year-old, or maybe Scott said, I don't know who said it, but that he has that look and he comes in. But I don't like the comparisons to Gunrunner because he's not there yet. He's not that good. You know what I mean? He's not running the figures that Gunrunner did. He's not running the pace figures that he ran. And I, I don't know. I I, I would be. I, I don't I don't have the same feeling. It's not to me it's not gun runner, it's not arrogant. That's that's my gut feeling with with improbable. But I do believe he's the horse to beat. And Tom's Dita I'm I'm a I was I was trying to make him as as my top choice in the race, but I don't believe his morning line either. Do you guys think he's gonna be that long? No. Yeah, I, I don't either. I and I think people are gonna uh the Kentucky horse that that's got kind of the name that uh, I think they're all going to be about the same odds, right? Don't you think they're all going to be in the that, same? That's what I think. You're going to have a those top ones, including maximum security. So you have right. five horses that are all going to be close to the same odds. And I, I'm right. guessing tis the law goes off as favorite. Just you think so? That's, yeah. That's my prediction because, uh, or possibly offense. I just three-year-olds get over bet. Triple crown horses get overbet pretty much all the time after the triple crown. So, and that's why I think that the betting will gravitate towards them. But I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, Maximum Security has his fan club, Tom's a tot, and Improbable. Just, it seems like everybody, nobody likes Improbable. I just don't get it. The horse has been spectacular this year, and he just hasn't gotten the kind of respect you'd expect him to get as a bat. Even Baffert doesn't talk him up. You know, he, he, so it's weird. It's really weird. So we'll see, you know, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe he's just, just, you know, not any better than these horses. We'll find out. I guess that's why they run the race. All right. Well, uh, just a little preview. It's the uh, Sport of Kings NAC finals. There's 63 picks in the classic. And Tom's data is four to five. There you go. 20, 27 picks for him, only three for improbable. Now r- realize that these are contest players. They're looking for an NAC spot. They're right. they're 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 gonna they're gonna be playing a price. But it is kind of notable that uh, 
that they're all on Tom's Day Tom. I've just anecdotally, I've seen so many people on Twitter say, I can't wait for Tom's Day Tom. Like they, and they think like, because Stahl won with blame that he can, that he's guaranteed to win this time. Um, I, and I think he can run well. I, I certainly think I, I wouldn't toss him, but I think he will be lower than that six to one. Well, it'll be something if a seven-year-old off a long layoff can win the Breeders' Cup Classic and in a pretty strong field. And I just don't get. I I think he's one you got to use, but I don't see how you can see his value on the wind pool. I don't get it. All right. Well, uh, it should be a great day of racing. Let's see. Hey, where... One thing, just I want to mention, Scott, to everybody who's listened this long should look into. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you listened for two hours, you might as well give us a third. Right. The the. Uh... <laughs> The classic is a is a good example, I think, of a race where if you're paying attention in these two days, of the way that the track is playing, and the way things are going, you know, that the one thing I always say is that a good handicapper is always on his toes. Don't get married to your opinions two days in advance, and I think the Breeders' Cup Classic may be a good example of that, you know, because I've been because I had to do this podcast, I've been I've been thinking about that race for for like a day day and a half, even when I was doing other things, I was thinking, who, who, who am I supposed to play in that race? And I've had a hard time coming up with what, what the right play is. But as the races go on and as the day progresses, it may be more apparent who the clear horse is to, is to play. So and, what would you look uh, I think for, that's really Paul? important. So give us an example of some things you'll be looking for that might change your opinion as the day goes on. The way on. the Bob Baffert horses are running would be, would be one thing that I would definitely – uh, pay attention to, especially the way uh, he's performed on big days. It seems to be all or nothing. So I would definitely, um, I would definitely look at that. I would definitely pay attention to the way the the Preakness horses have run, because I know that that figure is weird. And if the Preakness horses start to do real good, I think Authentic will, his chances will improve. I think the way the track is playing. And maybe the way some of these guys are riding in the races, who's being aggressive, who's paying attention to what, to what's winning. If, uh, if the track, you know, is inside or outside, if there's an advantage, uh, uh, the speed or closers, um, I would, you know, pay attention to, to, to quite a bit of those things. Uh, maybe how the, um, the Kentucky horses are doing at home, if the Kentucky horses are doing well, would be something that maybe, uh, would point you in Tom's the ta direction, you know. Um, you just never know exactly what a day of racing is going to bring, you know. And I think one of the mistakes that everybody has, especially now that we can handicap these races a week ahead of time, you know, it it, it it's a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing. So you just be aware of that that you can you can get married into opinions that are that are bad, you know, that they're, that they're, the, they're the wrong they're when the race comes up. So what you're saying is that I could get united to the wrong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that what I, you know, I'm not saying that you would change something that was like a opinion that is so strong, you know what I mean? Like, but these races where you don't have a big opinion might turn to something that, that becomes a, a good play. 
I think that happens more so than than the ones that, like we talked about earlier, where you handicap a race and you look at it in two seconds, you know who you're going to play. Well, something like that isn't going to change your mind necessarily. But a race that you have had trouble with or struggled with and said, you know, these horses are pretty evenly matched. How am I going to, you know, how's this going to go? You know, these little things now become big things and point you in the right direction. Fair point. That made any sense. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Roll roll with the punches. I mean, I think that's that's what a good handicapper is, you know, that being, being aware of everything that's going on. You know, I think, I think everybody can improve their, their handicapping skills by, by just paying attention to these little things. When, when races that seem tough, that, that thing that I've been looking for for the last day in that classic that I can't find, I might find at Saturday at two o'clock in the afternoon because of what's happened or, you know, Right, like if Art Collector romps, you're going to be thinking, maybe authentic? If Art Collector romps and, and Swiss Skydiver wins the, the distaff and they win easy, I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be, I'm going, to be going towards authentic. I just know it. You know, that's, good. that's where I'm going to be going. You know, and conversely, if they both do badly, it kind of makes the race a little bit easier. It becomes more of a three-horse race. It becomes more of a 2-4-8. And then if the – and if uh, – if you're if you can toss authentic, and you know you're against maximum security, now all of a sudden there's some maybe some value in a race that that maybe didn't appear to be when you had this, you know, spread more with authentic and the it being the the wild card, so it could go either way. Okay, so uh, good advice from Paul Matias, and uh, I I know we are over two hours, so. I think we should wrap it up. And could um, I ask Paul one more question before we wrap it up? Sure. Do you have any real strong opinion on the Friday card for Breeders' Cup? You know, no, knowing that I did this, I didn't really spend a lot of time on uh, on the Friday. The only thing that I have an opinion is, and I didn't get a chance to listen to you guys yet, or, or Duke would, so I don't know anything about what you guys talked about yet. Is that uh, I'm not convinced that that. Uh, the Asmussen horse in the juvenile um, is going to get two turns. I know, I know he's, he's run Jackie's very Warrior. fast and he's been very impressive. Jackie's warrior. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical. He's going to be, and I don't, you know, it, it he's kind of got those figures like uh, uncle Mo and boys at Tuscanova. And you, you think, well, it doesn't matter. They're going to run two turns. It's the best horse, but uh, I, I don't, I don't have that same feeling with him. I, I don't, I, I think it's a definitely a possibility that he could be more of a horse that, uh, that doesn't that blows up going two turns. Good, good, In- interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of agree guys, with you. <laughs> yeah, we did, talked. Did, I, uh, Duke was much yeah. higher on Jackie's Warrior than Scott, and I didn't like him, but Duke does. Right. Yeah, does. I, I'm kind of more with you guys. Okay. Well, at least we got one Matisse on our side. <laughs> <laughs> well, All right. And the the other thing was he really liked Princess Noor um, off even though the numbers didn't come back strong, um, which we were kind of against her. So, although I think uh, I was, yeah. I don't think Scott was. Yeah. I, I think she's got as good a chance as any, but not a, a heavy low price. How do you guys think that race is going to get bet? You think she's going to be a big favorite? I think so. Yeah. Even, even with the, even with the figures being so low. 
I think I, 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 I couldn't predict it. That's why I wanted to go three deep in the pick five, just because I, I didn't know how they were going to bet it. Yeah, I, two I year old. I, I, what? Yeah, Baffert, two year old, undefeated. You know, I can see double, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see it both ways because you know you got so many people. The figures are so low comparatively to the other horses that that's why I, I'm not sure how it's going to go. If they were equal, if they were somewhat equal, then I think she would be bet out as a big favorite. You know, the way the way she's won so easy, but I. The fact that she is so slow, so much slower, especially on some of those, on, on some of the figure, uh, on some of the figures in some of these places, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to bet that race. But like okay. you said, she is the name. She is the name, I guess. Well, looking forward to that and um, looking forward to the whole weekend. Paul, thank you so much for spending over two hours with us. We, uh, you know, we love having you on the show because we know how good of a handicapper you are. We really appreciate it. Well, it was, it was fun. Thank you. Good luck guys. All right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And that will conclude show number 93 of the sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the breeders cup and please enjoy the Brooklyn boogaloo blowout. I'll see you on sport of Kings. Cheers. Get it up.